Hello and welcome to this Endo Life episode 91. I'm Jessica Duffin. I'm an endometriosis health coach, an endo warrior, and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. As always, this podcast isn't intended to replace your current treatment and is here for educational purposes only. As always, I want to thank our first sponsor today, BU. These guys are the makers of the incredible period patches that I love and also a beautiful organic CBD range, menstrual cup and chafing cream. And they really are one of the pioneers of natural and really quite revolutionary period care, in my opinion. I have seen these period patches change people's experience of their periods so dramatically and their experience of endometriosis so dramatically. And they are really one of the first things that I recommend to my clients if my clients are going through a flare up or it's taken a while for their symptoms to calm down and for us to implement changes. I still want to provide my clients with something that's going to provide relief, you know, in that current moment. And I always recommend BU period patches because I just believe in them so much and they have helped me so much and they're natural. And it's just when you are so commonly faced with all of these different drugs that can have side effects, um, they have their place, but sometimes you just want a more uh, side effect free option. So um, I absolutely love these patches. They've been helping me through a interstitial cystitis flare up that I've been going through recently. You can find out all about that on Instagram. <laughs> um, and if you want to try the BU patches for yourself, you can just head to the link in my show notes or go straight to their website, which is buonline.co.uk. So that's b-e-y-o-u-online.co.uk. If you are in the US or in Canada, you can actually also order your BU patches from Cult Beauty and they will ship to the US or to Canada. So that's cultbeauty.co.uk. Let me know how you get on with them. So I hope you guys are all well. Um, I had a, a message just the other day, actually, on the, um, for, about the podcast, about um, the SIBO episode that I put out last week, um, asking about testing. And I am going to do a episode on how to get tested and the types of tests to do and the best tests and all that kind of good stuff. So, um, yeah, if you are interested in that, that is coming. And interestingly enough, a couple of my clients got their results back this week and they're all positive. So, um, yeah, it's just so interesting, the connection between endo and SIBO. And I am very eager for my test results to come back, but I expect they'll be back next week because my clients were a little bit ahead of me. Um, with ordering theirs. Today's episode, I'm talking to Jenny Holbert of Wild Wellness. She is a fitness specialist who is helping women and people with periods to live and sweat in sync with nature. I'm really excited to share this episode with you guys because we've talked about cycle syncing before and we've talked about um, eating for your period and just living in harmony with your cycle. But exercise is something that hasn't been on the show that much and it's something that I really want to cover because even though some of us with endo um, are at a position where in life where we can't exercise that much that might not be forever and um, 
just because we have endo doesn't mean we can't exercise. So I just feel like it's a really important topic that we haven't touched upon enough yet. So after Jenny's own experience with HP axis dysfunction, which we talk about in the show, and burnout, she began really just listening to her body and decided to apply her knowledge of fitness and exercise to those natural rhythms um, and the wisdom of nature. So Jenny has a bachelor's degree in exercise science and a master's in sports psychology. So she's really the ideal guest to talk to us about exercising with endo and how to move our body whilst listening to its signs and signals and moving in harmony with our menstrual cycles as Jenny does. So in today's episode, we're talking about what overtraining can do to your hormone levels and how cortisol can affect everything from your sleep to your period why the modern approach to working out isn't the best model for the female body, what the different phases of the menstrual cycle are and how they can affect our energy levels, what types of exercises are best for the different phases of the cycle, how to move your body when endometriosis causes you chronic fatigue, pain and a tight pelvic floor, and how to get started with moving your body in rhythm with your cycle. So for anyone who's wanting to start moving their body or currently are, but it just doesn't feel right, it feels maybe it's going against their energy levels or you're really forcing yourself through it or you're feeling exhausted afterwards, I think you're going to really love this episode. Um, And I feel like Jenny gives some really um, great examples and tangible advice. So yeah, hopefully you love this episode um, as much as I do. And if you have any questions, obviously just DM me or DM Jenny. Enjoy. So yeah, I'm really um, pleased that, you know, you got in touch with me regarding this subject because it's actually something that has been on my mind for quite a while. Um, I cycle sync as well, like you. Um, And I try to plan my especially my work life around my cycle. It's been a bit harder this year. Um, and I eat for my cycle as well. Um, and I do try to, I, I kind of generally work with my cycle in terms of exercise, but I think that as someone with endometriosis, I, I can't really do like, well, also I have knee problems and a tight pelvic floor so there's a lot of like cardio stuff that I can't do and so I find that sometimes I'm just doing a lot of um like body weight exercises or weight training and then when I'm kind of um menstruating I'll go for a walk and I'll do some more gentle yoga so it doesn't change like dramatically from like hit to like you know restorative yoga but um I try to do it as much as possible and I have been thinking like I've read lots of books on it but it'd be great to talk to someone so um, I'm so glad we're talking about this today like exercise and and cycle syncing so um, where I kind of wanted to dive in and you know I I do this with every um, podcast guest is kind of hearing a bit about you and your story and what you do but like what inspired you to not just be you know a fitness professional but actually specialize um in helping women or people periods to like live and sweat and sync with their cycles because not many people are doing that except for you know period experts they talk about it in their books but there's not like a I don't think I know any other fitness specialist who kind of does what you do nature has been such an incredible teacher for me that's where I have to start with that because I 
I used to think that, for example, like just in the workout mindset that training harder or doing something sort of in a linear fashion where a little bit more, a little bit more than a little bit more that that would get me better results. But I ended up landing myself in a way in burnout because of those activities in that mindset. And I, I naturally am a pretty type A driven person. I'm a Aries sun and I just have that sort of energy to want to go a generator in human design. If anyone understood, <laughs> I'm a, Oh my, um, well, I want to say birds eye view. That's clearly, yeah, no, I'm like, I see the overall picture of things and how to like, um, put things together and weirdly it came up that like, I would be really good as a coach or a business coach. And I was like, well, yeah. funny. Sounds like maybe reflector or, or projector. Maybe it's a projector. I think it might be the projector. I can't remember. My friend did it on me anyway. Anyway, <laughs> another, another podcast. <laughs> no worries. Yeah. So, I mean, even despite me having the knowledge background with my bachelor's in exercise science and my master's in sports psychology and having that understanding of physiology and the mind and how that works into exercise and the way we engage with movement, I was working as a personal trainer, but I ended up being very tired all the time. I wasn't sleeping well. My body started to have aches and pains in places that I didn't It wasn't just, you know, basically I wasn't recovering as quickly. It wasn't normal kind of, oh, I'm just a little sore and then I'll recover. I just wasn't recovering. And so even though I was with all that background, very knowledgeable about all those things, I was struggling physically and mentally. And that rock bottom moment really came to me, I think, to remind me that just like nature has seasons, we have cyclical bodies. I have a cyclical body and with my own inner seasons, And that idea and just practicing that from that point on has changed everything. So that's why I love to teach this because I know that it can help other women to feel their best and live their dreams. And actually the wild in wild wellness stands for women into living their dreams. Because I think that when we do take care of ourselves, yeah, that's what we can do, right? It's about taking care of our bodies so we can take all of those adventures and and do the things we want in life. So that's really my kind of my purpose behind it all. But yeah, nature is an incredible teacher for me, not only in that way, but just in the way we do take care of ourselves with the tools we have, the the things in the plants, those kinds of aspects of nature too. Yeah. And actually it's really interesting that you, um, well, two things that you brought up burnout and kind of the symptoms, because I think that Um, I know somewhere burnout is now like a classified term, like you can get diagnosed with it, but, um, are you, when you say burnout, are you talking about HPA axis dysfunction? So like, because you kind of exercise so much and was pushing yourself, were you at this point where like your cortisol levels are like out of whack? Is that kind of the type of burnout? Yeah, I know it's a broad term. And yeah, I think to some extent, adrenal function might always be in there in some way, but my, yeah, my cortisol levels, my progesterone, estrogen, that HPA axis, as you said, the adrenal function was off. So um, that adrenal fatigue or adrenal dysfunction, I know it can often be misdiagnosed or even difficult to identify because certain tests might not look at the varying changes that our hormone levels take during the day. So it wasn't actually until I landed in the hands of a functional medicine 
chiropractor and he had a background in clinical nutrition as well, that he was really looking at it from a holistic perspective and did tests with my saliva on cortisol. And that's sort of where I got on the right track of figuring out what was going on. But prior to that, even working with some natural medical doctors and also sort of the allopathic world, um, nobody was able to really identify that that's what was happening. And it was frustrating because I, I kept asking like, what's wrong with me? You know, I really was looking into all different kinds of things. And of course, being presented with possible prescriptions to cover up symptoms. And I'm thankful that I knew already at that point that that wasn't going to fix anything. You know, the symptoms were not the idea. I needed to get to the root cause, but that is so often what happens to people when they are tired they're, they have pain, maybe they are depressed or anxious. Like a lot of those things can be from physiological changes that are happening that it's not just the symptom to look at, you know, you've got to dig deeper. So I encourage everyone to do that and look at what's really going on. Yeah, absolutely. And I will put a link um, in the show notes to the um, functional medicine labs that you guys can get um, to test your cortisol levels and your HPA axis functioning and, uh, you know, full panel. Um, because they're, de- they're definitely worth getting if they're not cheap, but if you can get them done. Um, and I'm really interested because I was actually reading, um, I was just doing a little bit of research the other day into into this and the when you say like the recovery if you're not like a sports person how can you identify that you're not recovering from a workout properly because one thing that I always have noticed in myself and um I think I've been suffering from burnout for like I mean, years and years there were, I was taken out of school multiple times for like breakdowns because I was just like, I was, I always felt exhausted and it was partly having endo. But one thing that I've noticed is, um, because I have like knee problems and I've had them since I was young, I can't do things like, um, I can't run, I can't jump. So I never did like, we had this god awful jog called the black jog at school but I wasn't I could never do it like um my doctors wouldn't let me do it and um so I've never really known what recovery should feel like after cardio and um but I love to walk my partner and I like to like to walk but I find I'm really exhausted after a walk and if I go out during the day to say if I'm like struggling with work um because I have you know I, I have chronic fatigue and off um, I'll, you know, go for a 20 minute walk or something or half an hour walk, hoping it will wake me up. I come back more tired. Would that be like, would you say that that's the kind of like, what is that kind of a sign? Like when you say recovery is slow, like what should we be looking for with that? Because I think if you're not a sports professional, you might not realize what's a good recovery and what isn't. Yeah, that's a good question. So in your example, you were saying like, for example, if you go out for an hour walk and you hope that that'll uplift you, make you feel better, more energized, but then you actually come back feeling the opposite. That's what you were referring to, for Mm. example, right? And then also like the pain that you might have and um, not being able to recover because you don't always feel like in your, in your mind, maybe in in those of you that are listening in your minds, like recovery might feel or in your mind mean, oh, if I'm recovered, then I feel strong, energized, capable, and ready to go for it and do anything, perhaps. Maybe this like tank half full sort of state. 
Yeah, I I think that um, it goes back to number one, listening to your own body, because I don't think that there's a general rule that you could apply to this is how much time you need to recover. I mean, of course, in research and, and our recommendations that we have from that data, there's sort of these general ideas of, you know, strength training full body at least every other day so that you have that time to recover because you know that there's uh, at least like a 36, 24, 36 hour period involved in that, depending on, again, though, depending on the intensity of it. So it's like, it all depends on intensity for one, but it also then goes back to your own individual body and what state it's in. So I think that if you are noticing that, for example, like that hour long walk was too much, like you felt depleted when you came back and that wasn't the goal, then you have information and that information may just have applied to today. And maybe it's like, okay, well, I, you know, maybe went a little too far today. What can I do to fill my energy reserves up again. Maybe I can lay down for five minutes and put my feet up the wall. I mean, to me, that is like, honestly, sometimes feels like about a half an hour nap just to do that for five minutes, <laughs> just the feet up the wall, restorative thing. But you know, what else can you do if you notice that you've maybe depleted yourself too much? What can you do to fill yourself up? And I say that that's information for today, because even if you try to apply that to tomorrow and say, well, I'm not going to do that again tomorrow because this is how I felt today. And that was too much. Well, that may be different tomorrow. You know, it may not be this, the same thing. So maybe sometimes it's even airing a little bit on the side of lowering that duration, lowering the intensity and working with that for a little while. And if you do start to go out for walks of maybe 40 minutes instead, and you start to consistently feel like, okay, that was a good amount because I do feel the way I expect to afterwards. I feel energized. I feel like that was good, but it didn't overextend me. Then work with that and just paying attention to how that might change because you might've been in a time during your cycle where maybe that was just too much, but next week or two weeks from now, it could be completely different. And I also think some other things to pay attention to besides just your energy and how you're feeling within your body and maybe discomforts that you might be having is how's your sleep? Because a lot of times it might seem contradictory. I know this was interesting for me to wrap my head around, but when you are extra tired, you might think, oh, well, I'm going to sleep really well because I've completely exhausted myself. But it actually doesn't always work that way. I have been in these times, again, like going back to with the cortisol levels and adrenal dysfunction where I was really tired, but wired. Yeah. And that's sort of that idea that, you know, you're, you're physically tired. You do want to go to sleep, definitely. Um, but you are wired and there's just something there that's not allowing that system to wind down all the way. So it's not just about exhaustion. And so pay attention to what's going on with sleep because that can be a clue into how well you're recovering and how maybe there's too much going on in terms of physical exertion. And I also think about just overall stress in your life because a lot of times we don't consider that exercise is a stress. You know, it, it can be a good stress in the sense that you do a little bit that challenges your body and then you get stronger because of it. And getting stronger might be helpful because then you're more resilient physically. You can, you know, maintain the things that you need to do with that body that you have and um, be able to enjoy those things. But also, 
it is a stress. And so if you do too much, then it can turn into being a stress that your body can't keep up with. And also considering the other stressors that are happening in your life, are you doing other things that are quite physical? Like if you have a physical job where you're doing a lot of lifting or walking or, you know, any kind of physical exertion, that's something to keep in mind with the total level of physical exertion that you're doing on a day-to-day basis? Or do you have something going on right now that's very emotionally or mentally stressed? Maybe you have a lot, you know, you're super engaged in in something that that really is stressing the whole system and your body doesn't know the difference between that mental stress or the physical stress. It's all fight or flight, cortisol release, you know, let's get ready for what we need to be taking on here. (laughs) So just paying attention to your overall stress in life, um, which is why I think tracking a lot of these things is really important. We can maybe talk about that a little bit later too, but tracking your cycle and tracking your moods, your sleep, how you're feeling physically, all of that. Because again, going back to some of the things that I was experiencing too, like where, why am I feeling so emotionally down? Why am I feeling anxious? You know, and sort of these feelings that maybe I wasn't used to confronting before, at least in the way that they were coming up, it almost felt like I couldn't point to any one thing that, well, this is why I'm feeling that way. Well, this is going on. So that's why I feel sad. (laughs) You know, it was just sort of like they were coming out of, to me, nowhere in a sense. And I think it went a lot back to that physiology and a lot of the things that were happening within my body. So it was these mood states that, you know, perhaps were a clue that I wasn't recovering that my body was needing some help in different ways that that I was offering and pushing forward and doing more exercise and just trying to keep up with what mainstream fitness culture tells us to do, which is move your body, do it consistently, do it all the time. You know, I don't think we should do the same workouts all the time. And I don't think you should necessarily move your body in certain ways all the time. You know, yes, it's amazing to move your body. And there are certain things that we can do, but it, it does need to be different on depending on the day, depending on the week, depending on what's going on for you personally. And we are also, as women, very different hormonally, physically, all of that than men. And so if we embrace that reality rather than try to resist it, I think we can really optimize how we're feeling and we can optimize how we approach our workouts and just the way we get to move. Yeah, absolutely. So with, you know, like you just mentioned about mainstream um, fitness and that linear approach, why do you feel that that's, I don't know if damaging is the right word, but that's all I can think of right now. So I'm going to say damaging for, you know, the, the female body. Is it because we're, do you feel it's, it's down to that kind of cortisol dysregulation? Is, is there more to it? I think... I think there's a general message. And of course, again, this is general, like not, not everyone is speaking this way or practicing this way or training in this way, but it's sort of a more is better. And it's a very linear approach, which is sort of on the end of maybe you would say a more masculine or more yang, more yang kind of approach. And, you know, I think that that general message is not helpful to women who have cyclical bodies because it's trying to put us into a different box or a different set of standards that just don't align with how we actually are. So you have to pay attention to when that might be happening 
And even if it's something that you love, like a particular class or a particular teacher or something that you have started to do that you're really drawn to and you really love it, it's so important to pay attention to the fact that you do have changes within your body. Because I know for me, you know, I loved, I love running and I was really into doing a lot of different races and experiencing different kinds of distances and things when I had reached that period of burnout that I spoke about. And even though I loved it so much, I had to recognize that I couldn't always go out and get that like fast, hard, whatever I was trying to get that um, sort of adrenaline fix that you might get from it. And that even though there might be certain things on the training plan recommended or in things that I was reading or the way that I had understood how to formulate a plan, that that was also based on a really linear model. And, you know, in my experience, in my, in my training and fitness, as I look back at that, all of the recommendations and sort of the way that you progress through different exercises and improving your endurance or improving your strength or anything like that, it's quite linear. And there's no, there's no room there for that cyclical nature. So I think it's just important to pay attention to, even if it is something that you absolutely love that you want to do all the time, that there's room for you to have ebbs and flows in that. Yeah. And I've definitely witnessed, um, it's funny now that like, (laughs) now that I'm, um, a women's health coach, I have so many of my friends coming to me with their problems and it's really interesting how a lot of them have stemmed from going through a, like, 30 or three month kind of training CrossFit kind of program or something. And then their periods have gone crazy or their periods have stopped. And so, um, it's been really, and then they've had like cortisol tests and their cortisol levels are really elevated. It's been really interesting to observe, like just it happening in reality. Um, so yeah, I, you know, and they, and they love, those kind of high intensity exercises, but I think it's, you're right, you know, need having that room for flexibility is so important. Just a reminder that this episode is sponsored by BU. These natural patches last for 12 hours, so they bring prolonged relief and can begin working on relaxing your muscles before the pain kicks in. So you're prepared even if your period comes during the middle of the day. So if you know you're due on, you might want to start wearing your period patch 24 hours beforehand just so that your muscles begin to relax and you're less likely to have really bad cramps. To find out more about BU, you can just head to link in my show notes or go to www.buonline.co.uk. This episode is also sponsored by my free endometriosis symptom tracker. If you kind of feel a bit overwhelmed by your pain and your symptoms and you really just don't know where to start with managing them, then tracking your symptoms over a couple of months or even just a month to see what your triggers might be could be really helpful. I've put together a free download that helps you track your pain, your mood, your brain fog, uh, your bloating, where you are in your cycle, your eating habits, your stress levels, so many different things um, in a really simple and effective way. If you'd like to try it out, um, obviously it's free, just head to the show notes, follow the link and you can get your own copy. So 
So could you like, we've actually had quite a few guests talk to us about the stages of the cycle, but um, in this kind of capacity, could you kind of take us through like the cycle and how our energy levels fluctuate in each stage um, and how that might affect the exercise that we do? Yeah, that would be really helpful, I think, for those of you listening to kind of get a sense of what I'm talking about with these ebbs and flows. <laughs> so in in my mind, if we're going to talk about the four phases, it would be the menstrual phase, follicular phase, ovulation, and then the luteal phase. And I had presented to me the idea when I read the book Wild Power by uh, Alexander Pope, Shani Hugo Wolitzer. And yeah, they're amazing, those two. Yes. The the idea that these phases are also related to the seasons. And that really resonated with me because of, I guess, my familiarity and resonance with nature. And so menstrual phase would be inner winter, follicular inner spring, ovulation inner summer, luteal inner autumn. And so it's important not to get caught up on the fact that these are specific days or always the same amount of days, or even the fact that there's only four phases. Cause there's even this idea that, you know, we have those transition times that maybe have their own sort of energy. So I'll just put that out there too, but these phases and you know how they're part of the cycle, at least help us to get a sense of the breakdown of things. And so I'll start with the, the inner winter, which I also call the base phase. I've kind of named them in terms of like the, the workout um, and fitness approach that we might take during this too. So this is the base phase. And this is our you know call to go inward and retreat more to really slow down, at least at the beginning, and to rest and recover. So in terms of movement, it calls for those things that are going to allow you to restore. And you're likely going to feel like, slowing down and restoring. I mean, I know I do. And as I have started to pay attention to this more and more, it's almost as if my body, it's like, it's allowed to more and more. So I like do less and less. And for me, it even starts a couple days before the first day of my bleed. So oftentimes I will just go for a very gentle walk and I try to do it near water if I can, because that water is yin and it's associated with that phase of the cycle, um, according to a lot of other modalities and, and different teachings. So water can be really helpful. And just for me, it gives that metaphor of flow and ease of flow, I guess. And restorative poses that are going to be held for a long time. I'm thinking of even um, ones that focus on your lower body, your hips, your low back, things like pigeon pose and yoga or even child's pose, or honestly, even Shavasana, if you're just laying on your back, because that is so restorative and allowing yourself to be there for several minutes in, in each pose. I think it's really important just to do what feels good during this time and to stretch and, and move so that you don't have maybe as much tightness and stiffness, because that can be, I think, our propensity too, to just, oh, I don't want to move. I don't want to do anything. And that may be helpful, but if you maybe consider the possibility of like a warm bath with water. And then maybe your body feels a little bit more flexible, a little more open, a little more soothed. And then you can maybe do some light stretching. You might actually feel better. So sometimes it's like setting yourself up to feel better to do that movement because then the movement can open up and allow for you to feel better in other ways, but you need other things to help you get there. So warm bath, sometimes for me, it's essential oils you know, for whatever it might be for you, maybe it's a, even a hot pad or something like that on your abdomen, but doing something to set yourself up for 
feeling better uh, physically and mentally to do that. But really let yourself off the hook and take it slow. And we can move on to the inner spring if you want to break. You want me to yeah. about that yeah, one? Yeah, that'd be great. This would be follicular phase. And I call it the build phase because really your hormones are starting to rise. Things are starting to build up. Um, as estrogen levels start to rise, there's actually a couple things that have been linked with that. And one comes down to the way that our muscles are stretching and that stretch reflex. They're actually more pliable during that time when estrogen is higher. So interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So you want to be more careful during this time. Like you talked about a previous knee issue and something that Mm. is something you pay attention to now. So because you're more flexible, you can over over flex and um, maybe stretch too much. So just be aware of that. And also like doing things that might be high intensity where you're absorbing a lot of force because if you're if your muscles are less, um, there's less, uh, muscle stretch reflex there, then you're going to be able to absorb less force from the joints that way. And you might have an injury. So just areas that you might be more vulnerable, like knees, ankles, hips, joints like that. And as also estrogen rising, there's actually, you know, the idea that cortisol is going to be something that we're, we're more resilient to as well. So your pain threshold is probably going to be higher, which you could translate in, in different ways. You know, a lot of people would say, great, that's, that means that my capacity to like recover from a hard workout is going to be better. So I'm going to go for it during this phase. If that's what you feel like doing, then go with it because your physiology is matched up to it. You know, this is probably the time to make sure you're warmed up properly again, because of that uh, stretch reflex and keep away from things that typically would bother your joints maybe. But it's a good time to do something where you can feel that ramp up of energy. And it's also just, you know, the idea that spring, that inner spring time is a time of energetically this playfulness or spontaneity, trying new things. So you might even mentally, physically just feel like doing something a little more playful. I personally feel drawn to things that are playful a lot of different times, but especially in this phase, maybe uh, like short sprints or hiking that combines me actually working with the natural elements while I'm out there, like, you know, training um, my strength by lifting up rocks or using gloves <laughs> as weights. Like I literally like, use nature and I love it because it just gets me, you know, I don't like being in the gym in that way. I would rather be outside. No, I do not go to the gym. I work out at home. Yeah, exactly. And you can work out outside too. If you have, you have free weights out there. Yeah. Um, so it's just fun to me because it's very playful. I don't have necessarily a uh, a set number of time that I'm going for. A lot of times it's, you know, you could be as playful as I'm going to run or walk down the trail to this point, And then I'm going to do this particular thing. And then I'm going to move on and, and just kind of see where that takes me or even using music for that. A lot of times I will work with the music and when it starts to ramp up, that's when I'll start to move faster if I'm on a run or as it slows down, then I'll stop. And it's not this stopwatch kind of timed thing, but it's more in line with something like music or just the natural surroundings. So that that kind of is the essence of that phase. And the other thing I would say is, and maybe your other movements that aren't necessarily as um, vigorous or intense, like intervals or sprints or things like that, because it doesn't have to be all that, 
is that if I focus on other movements, this is a phase that to me is sort of embodies the earth element or roots and grounding. So focus on, because it's sort of in nature, that's what it is exemplifying to us in a way. And so yoga poses that might be more rooted. So I'm thinking of balance poses, even like tree pose or ones that are um, even some of the warrior poses, depending on how you're doing them, just ones that are going to help you focus down on the lower body and, um, and grounding into the earth. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I hadn't thought about that before. Yeah. And then the inner summer ovulation, what I call the peak phase, this is when the estrogen, follicle stimulating hormone, all of those hormones, luteinizing hormone, they're going to be at their peak and uh, the estrogen levels are helping to thicken that uterine lining. So we have a lot to our advantage there with the hormone levels is in terms of being able to do that high energy again. So this is like spring, more of a yang phase as far as the energy goes. It's more high intensity. This is also going to be a time when you might actually enjoy working out with other people more or a group hike or get together with someone because you're just feeling more outward in general and like doing those things that are going to involve conversation and yeah. talking and you know your verbal social centers of your brain are kind of more on right now. So that's why you're hiking with your sister today, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Try to plan those things. Um, and it might be a time to challenge yourself. It might be a time to go for a PR or a race, if that's your thing, embracing harder efforts. Uh, it can be really uh, a confidence boost during this time, because if you allow yourself to go with what your body's able to do at that time, you might show yourself parts of your abilities that you haven't seen before. And that can be encouraging to us a lot of times if we you know, run a distance we haven't run yet, or we uh, maybe hike a, a distance or for a time frame that we haven't, or we lift up something that we haven't done before. And just that idea of it's not always about like going further and faster and harder and heavier, but it could be something that's just even doing doing it different than you've done it before, you know, trying something brand new. Maybe you've actually never gone for a run in the woods on the trails or something, and you've always done it on the road. So maybe that's something new and you're just feeling really outward, really confident, and you might boost your confidence just by doing something different or going to, like I said, doing something with a group and maybe that's the brand new thing. So as far as like the specifics with the kind of workouts that you might do, think of a more vigorous yoga class, think of running that involves intervals, hill sprints, or maybe even longer runs because your capacity for that kind of moderate intensity endurance would be better. And with strength training, think of like things that are going to bring out your peak power. So it might be actually lower repetitions, um, or I'm sorry, lower weight with higher reps. Or if you are going for power, I guess it would be lower reps with the higher weight. So just depending on what you might be particularly going for. And if you're just, you know, generally training strength and, and not necessarily lifting for any particular goal or, you know, you just are doing it to maintain strength. And as you said in the beginning, just strength training for the sake of um, maintaining your muscle and being able to maintain strength overall, then that, you know, kind of lower weight and 
higher reps can be good, but maybe you increase it a little bit during that phase. Okay. Yeah, that's I've been stuck on the same weights for a while, so that's good to know. <laughs> yeah, that would be a phase to test it out with some new things and go in in, sh- in small increments. Um, that you know, depending on what you're using now, I guess you could, if you're doing higher reps, like maybe 15 to 20 reps already, and already doing a couple sets, then I would go ahead at that point and increase the weight, and maybe you'd actually do you know, around closer to 15 reps to start and then work your way up back to that higher rep with that same weight. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So so the last phase, the luteal premenstrual, and I call it the uh, recovery phase. This would be inner autumn. This is obviously the days uh, leading up to menstruation. And this is again, a more yin energy. So you're likely going to have more energy in the first part of inner autumn, but because things are shifting a lot, then towards the latter part of this phase is when you're probably going to start to feel like you're winding down. So a lot of times it's actually the hormonal ups and downs of this part of the cycle that make women feel sluggish or even a little confused about their energy and what to do. (laughs) Because I know for me, this is, this is the most challenging phase actually, to be quite honest, because it's, um, I know that I'm winding down and I have, I'm coming off of this, you know, peak summer energy. So it feels like you can just kind of keep careening on. And sometimes I have careened on a little too intensely and much and just hit the wall and realized, oh yeah, okay, it's time to slow down. <laughs> so that phase can be tricky for me in that way because of the ups and downs, but I, I will have days when I start to feel lower energy and just like, I need to ease back a little bit and accepting that is the real key for someone who might really be drawn to that adrenaline push of high intensity workouts. And knowing knowing that moving your body can really help with a lot of the symptoms you might have during this time, like helping your mood, um, reducing bloating, just assisting circulation, all of that. It's important to keep that in your mind while you allow yourself to slow down, because I think a lot of us might slow down too much and then we might not get the benefits of movement but you just have to individualize it to how your body feels that day and really honor what you need. So sometimes it might be a walk instead of a run. Sometimes it might be uh, just a body weight exercise or Pilates on the floor instead of being up and lifting weights. Or sometimes it might even be deep breathing. Honestly, I mean, I know that's not an exercise, but we don't often pay attention to are breathing enough. And to me, it is an exercise in a way because it's linked to everything else that you're doing. So focusing more on sort of the subtle parts of the activity that you're doing, whether that be breathing or whether that be a particular stretch or even a certain part of your body that you know needs extra attention. I think this is actually a really good phase to focus on alignment and maybe Pilates or yoga, but also things that are, again, like maybe your trigger area. So maybe you have this nagging kind of knee issue or a hip issue, or you know that you want to work on your balance because it's a little off or your ankle needs some rehab or, you know, just something. There's a particular area of your body that you've been neglecting during the whole phase because you've sort of been able to. And now is the time to face it and not neglect that anymore. And because you're slowing down, you'll have more attention to be able to offer it. And it, it means that you're not stopping altogether. You, you give yourself 
a focus, which can be very helpful, especially for folks like myself, but it gives you a chance to focus on something that's actually really matching your energy at that time instead of just doing what you have been doing throughout the summer and the spring phases. So hopefully that helps a little with um, these specifics on each of those. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's just helpful to have um, just an idea of what that would look like as, you know, as an example, because sometimes it just, I don't know, it just, in fear, you, you have an idea of what it is in theory, but not how you could literally take that into your real world. Um, so that's super helpful. So I mentioned at the beginning that, um, you know, I have varying levels of fatigue and that's definitely the case for many people with endometriosis and pain is a, a big problem. Um, a lot of people have daily pain or they have a lot of pain during ovulation or a lot of pain during menstruation. Um, or even in the luteal phase building up to menstruation. And they might also have like pelvic floor dysfunction as well. That's quite common with endometriosis to have a tight pelvic floor because of being in chronic pain. So kind of working with your cycle in terms of exercise can be a bit difficult when it comes to the like the ovulatory phases, the phase or um follicular phase and kind of like building up that intensity or that movement can sometimes just not be as possible so for people who are struggling with fatigue or pain do you have any kind of ideas of how we could adapt that kind of rhythm but in a way that's a bit more um endo friendly in terms of yeah pain and and just exhaustion the first thing that comes to mind is, as I'm thinking about, about this is that if, if I don't compare myself to what I think the standard might be, or if I sort of question what that expectation might be, or I consider what story I'm telling myself about what I should be doing or what exercise should look like, that that might change the experience a little bit. And you actually might notice that there can be these subtle differences in your cycle, depending on how you're feeling in each phase, or even if it doesn't look like you have changes throughout the phases, but maybe you just have changes throughout the days and the weeks. Like maybe this week, wow, it feels like I'm in that inner autumn phase, even though it's actually inner spring. Well, in reality, then notice like that, that kind of trumps everything to me. It's that takes precedence over whatever phase you're in. So maybe it's actually taking taking all of what I said as far as these neat little four boxes and the breakdown of the phases and actually just considering that that's the overlaying big picture. But then the more micro view is your own personal experience. So consider what that looks like for you and you know take take that into consideration first overall. And also, as I said, I hope that made sense, like to just um, think about the the subtle changes that actually might be taking place, even if they're not aligned and don't sound or look exactly the way that I described them. You know, So if it's not ever the high intensity intervals or it's never the sprints for you, then maybe it's actually walking, but you're actually walking hills instead of just flat ground. Or 
something like uh, push-ups, like instead of doing them on your knees, you do a couple just full strength or full body push-ups. Um, you know, just something that's maybe just a step up. I, I think it's so individual. You consider wherever you are and then whatever might be feeling like a step up from that could help you feel that there, there's a, again, it's not always after, it's not always about going after those gains, but if we are wanting to get stronger or feel more like we have more endurance or feel like we're more flexible, then yeah, there, there are times of the cycle and those phases that we have where, okay, today's a day I feel like going for it. So I am because that's going to help me in the long run, that's going to support my body in the best way. Or today's not a day that I feel like going for it. So the best thing for me to do is to kind of go on the lower end of that and trust that I will have those days when I will feel like going for it. And, and I also think of, of, in my master's thesis, I actually studied women with chronic pain and how they navigate oh, really? exercise. Yeah. And it was, it was all kinds of chronic pain. You know, it was women who had knee, hip, uh, fibromyalgia, you know, particular maybe injuries that they had from accidents, things that they were involved in. Um, I don't remember, I did some interviews and there was no one in particular that I spoke with that it was specifically from endometriosis. But I think in the overall surveys, there was a collection of different kinds of pain. And who knows, that could have been an underlying thing for some of the ones in the survey. But anyway, pain was, you know, I was looking at it in a sense of trying to get a picture of it overall, no matter what kind of pain it was. And for women who experienced that on a, on a regular basis, there was a few things that stood out to me that I think might apply here too. And one of them was, it seemed that the women who were able to navigate exercise with more ease and the ones that were actually doing it consistently and feeling good about it were the ones that were very flexible with themselves on a daily basis. And they knew that they might feel like doing something on one day and they wouldn't feel like it on the other day. So maybe they actually typically go to the gym and do the bike, but there's days that they don't feel like doing that. So they swim instead, or maybe there was a day that they were supposed to do the class, but instead they went for a walk. They just allowed themselves to change and flex whatever they needed to do. And that was a big factor between the women who were, like I said, doing it with more ease versus the ones who were not exercising consistently, because I think they were holding themselves to maybe a particular standard and then not doing it at all if that didn't feel possible for them at the time. And that was a big part. And the other part was social support and doing it with other people. That was a a pattern that we noticed was that they had people that were encouraging to them that were maybe their workout buddies or their walking group or something that they did that was with a group. So I think any element of that that you might be able to include could be helpful. Even if you are someone who generally likes moving your body on your own and maybe you do at, at, at home, but maybe you know that there are certain parts of your cycle that you start to notice are a little more difficult for you that maybe doing it with someone else who's very understanding of the way that you might feel different from day to day, that that can be helpful too. And, and also the power of their mind and kind of being curious about the story that they were telling themselves. So it was going back to not always necessarily being positive, but just 
on a day that they might feel a certain way instead of making up a story about that and saying, well, I am in so much pain today and I'm so tired. So that means I can't do this and I'm not uh, getting any stronger or I need to just quit now. Like making up those stories about the experience, they would look at that and say, I don't feel good today but maybe I'm going to feel better tomorrow, or I don't feel good enough to do that particular thing today, but I'm going to do this instead. And it was like they were looking for solutions and using the power of the mind to uh, question the stories. You know, we have to watch our thoughts and pay attention to what those, how they're coming up and what is going on there. Because a lot of times that is then influencing what we decide we're going to do as an action, but it's really only one possibility. And if we look at the thought again and we ask ourselves, well, what's another possibility that we might come up with something else completely different. Yeah. I think that's so powerful. Like all of what you just said about what, yeah, people with chronic women with chronic pain and, and the different methods that they used. And, um, you know, we have lots of different listeners who have lots of different abilities and, and endometriosis varies for every single person. And I know people whose job is like, they are literally a fitness instructor and they have endometriosis and they, you know, have huge muscles and, um, you know, working out as their life and endometriosis doesn't affect them. It doesn't stop them from doing that. Um, whereas other people, um, I know are, you know, can't actually really get out of bed most of the time. So there's such a, um, wide range of symptoms and, um, yeah, just levels of how endometriosis affects, um, affects us. So I really like how, you know, you're saying that people are flexible with themselves and yet not, you know, also not telling themselves a story about, this is it and this is how it's always going to be and kind of actually taking it more day by day. Um, so yeah, I think that's really powerful and something that I haven't asked and I just thought all of all of a sudden, I can't remember why, but it just came up when you were, when you were talking is what for people who maybe, you know, don't exercise that much or just don't know much about it on a scientific level, like what are the benefits of exercising? Because I think, you know, in terms of chronic pain um, and recovering from an illness or healing our bodies, there are so many benefits, especially around, you know, mental health and endometriosis has a real effect on our mental health. I was just wondering if you could kind of tell us a bit about the benefits. Well, some of the things that come to mind are increasing circulation, which can be helpful for a variety of things related to our lymphatic system and that can be related to then the pain that we experience or don't experience even our the level of um blood flow that we get to the uterus to the ovaries like to me that that's all included in that with circulation uh we have healthier blood sugar levels our blood glucose is known to be regulated through regular exercise which again, you know, that blood glucose is linked up with, for me, with that adrenal dysfunction that actually was related to that. Um, and I'm sure you've seen even with different digestive links or digestive pieces to the puzzle of endometriosis that blood glucose levels might be something to take a look at there. So it's going to help that way. 
absolutely the hormone levels yeah. as well oh everything right dysregulated <laughs> yeah dysregulated blood sugar can lead to excess estrogen which feeds endo and um it also causes increased inflammation which feeds pain exactly. so for sure blood sugar is so important i strengthening your bones and muscles i mean as women especially we need to slow down or negate that loss of bone density that naturally comes with age um, because it, it comes for everyone, but for women in particular, we're at higher risk of fractures or you know um, things like that down the road if we don't have that uh, bone density and the muscle strength. And by exercising, your muscles are literally like pulling on the bones, which is making them adapt to become thicker in order to adapt to that pool. So it's it's a whole again, going back to that good stress, you know, it's a good stress on your bones and your joints that way when you move your muscles and muscle strengthening things like lifting weights is going to be best for that. Not so much the cardio activity, although doing things that are weight bearing, like simply as walking uh, versus like swimming isn't much of a weight bearing activity. I'm not saying it's not helpful to do because it's good for other reasons, but think of doing, making sure you're doing weight bearing things like the muscle uh, strength lifting weights um, or more so cardio wise like running jogging brisk walking things like that um, yeah and I also think of just balance in general like you know depending on who's listening to this and in your age you know you might not think of that now if you're younger and you have good balance and all is well but if as you're getting older and as you're thinking about sort of in conjunction with the decrease in bone density and decrease in um, muscle in general, then your balance being off is not helpful. And by moving your body on a regular basis and actually specifically training balance, you're going to keep your body in tune with that. You know, the more exercise is so specific, the things that we do are the things that our body gets used to and maintains to be good at. Like if you want to train for uh, running, then you shouldn't necessarily be biking most days if you want to get better at running, you know, because it's, yeah. <laughs> it's so specific to what you're doing. I'm not saying you shouldn't do both, you know, that would be great to cross train, but it's whatever you're wanting to improve. So if you're wanting to improve balance and you're not doing any balance exercises or anything that's, you know, putting that as a, as a stress, you know, never going on one foot or never doing anything that's kind of challenging that in that way, um, and that's just one example, the one foot thing. But anyway, it's just not, you're not going to adapt to it because your body is not presented with it. And it's kind of lazy in that way. It's like, well, if I don't have to get used to it, then I'm not going to. <laughs> so that's just a few things that come to mind. There's so many other benefits of exercise. And I guess you mentioned the emotional, you know, the mental health too. I mean, our brain function and the hormones that get released when we do exercise, that all contributes to a healthy emotional state. You know, it's not to say that we don't ever have fluctuations or don't ever feel down or anxious, but it certainly can be helpful if done, you know, in, in balance with all other things. Like I said earlier, that situation that I experienced where I was feeling more anxious and more depressed, it's because a lot of things were off and I was doing too much exercise and I wasn't staying balanced. I wasn't practicing all the things that I just shared with you. So if you are in tune with all that and you're doing it in a healthy way, then it can be really supportive to your mental state. Yeah, absolutely. And also those, um, those kind of hormones that are released that 
boost your mood are also really powerful pain relievers. So the body's natural painkillers. So um, that's going to be really helpful as well. Um, okay, perfect. Thank you so much for sharing for that. I just thought it would be um, a shame if we got to the end and I hadn't asked that question. Well, it's good reminders. You know, it's funny, like we all know maybe that exercise is good for us, but when you actually think about it and, you know, we're actually talking about it and hopefully those of you that are listening, you're actually considering now either, wow, I didn't know that or I knew that, but I didn't know the depth of that and how it actually connected to something more meaningful. And that that's why it matters, you know, and, and that's that kind of knowledge can sometimes move us literally, you know, to do things that maybe we wouldn't have done. So it's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So finally, um, what resources can, like, do you recommend for anyone who's getting started with exercising with their cycle or just even just starting in general if exercise is just not a thing for them? Um, I know you have courses and things like that. Yeah. Uh, well, I did mention the book that really got me in, in tune with a lot of this concept. And I know this is probably something that you've shared before since you're familiar with wild power and that book. But I think if, you know, if someone wants a general overview and maybe even a more, um, maybe a more holistic or, or spiritual overview of like the cycle, that was just such a powerful book for me. So I always love to mention it. And as far as resources that I have with exercise, um, the best place to go is my website, jennyholbert.com slash wild. And I have several things there. Uh, one of the things that I think is really important for us to do, and I mentioned it a little earlier, is if you're not tracking your cycle, and maybe if you are tracking it, but you're not tracking your exercise alongside it, then that's a really great thing to start. And it's so easy. All you need to do is write down what you do each day, regardless of what it is, even if it's a rest day, write that down. And you need to do a rating of how you felt and then maybe include a couple other physical or emotional factors that you may have noticed about your body that day. And I have a, a template on there that you can download to start to track. And it, it kind of has those columns for you so that you know what to track as far as your workouts. You can add that to your current tracking method, or you can kind of start that on its own. But I think that's so important because you have to start to notice some patterns to change things maybe for the next time around. I know I've done that where I'm like, oh, okay, this is what usually happens during this part of my cycle. And I've noticed that consistently. So here's how I'm going to switch it up. Or if you start to notice that you're consistently having these times when you're just tired and tired and tired and tired, and there's just all this fatigue going on, then you need to completely look at what that might be, change what you're doing, you know, look into maybe the deeper cause of it. Sometimes we can just go on, I think, for so long and not even realize how bad we're feeling. <laughs> so if you're actually tracking it and looking at it, I think that can be helpful and it can give you more awareness a little earlier. And there's also a quick guide there of the inner seasons and the moon phases, along with like natural elements that go with that, with the workout intensity or workout type that you might go with, because some women who might not be cycling, it, whether it's because they have a medicated cycle or whether they're in menopause, whatever it might be, they can follow the moon phases as you probably have talked about, Jessica. <laughs> but that is, um, that's, that quick guide there is helpful. And the workout without burnout blueprint, of course, is a great place to start if you really want to dive more into this and understand how you can still move your body without reaching that point of just shut down and not being able to do it, you know, not being able to do it because you're so tired and you're so um, stressed that it's not possible anymore. So there's several resources there. And I think 
that would be super helpful as a next place to go for exploring this exercise and your cycle topic for sure. There's actually a fun quiz as well uh, for what, what's your workout <laughs> style by nature. And oh, that's cool. it's very aligned with a lot of things we talked about. You're going to find out whether you're more like an inner winter, inner autumn, inner spring or inner summer type in what you naturally embody. So that can be very informative. And when you do the quiz, you'll then get some resources to help you based on what you already naturally embody and working with that, but then also what you might need to watch out for because every every phase, every cycle, um, or every phase of the cycle has its sort of great things about it, but then maybe also the things that we need to pay attention to that might catch us in the wrong way if we're not paying attention. So... <laughs> Yeah, no, that sounds really helpful. I'm going to take that. And I'm definitely going to download the tracker because um, I, I track my cycle, but I don't track my exercise. And I kind of just YouTube exercises and decide that that one looks good to do today. So it'd be interesting to to track it and, and see if I notice, yeah, any patterns. Um, okay, perfect. So um, you've mentioned your website. Um, what's your Instagram so that people can... and any other places on social that people can connect with you? Yeah. JennyHolbert.com is my website. It's Jenny with an I H U L B U R T. And then I'm at Jenny Holbert at everywhere on social media, Instagram, Facebook, all the places you might be looking. Okay. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on and for talking about this. I'm so glad that we finally got onto the subject because I've been meaning to talk about this yeah for years um so thank you so much for coming on and I hope you enjoy your hike today and the weather stays lovely for you thank you Jessica and thank you to all listeners I really appreciate you um facilitating our conversation and just opening this up it's always so fun to talk about for me and I I hope that everyone took away something that they can work with even if it's just one thing for now and then come back and listen later on as you continue to work with this, you know, it doesn't have to all happen at once. So thank you. I appreciate everything that you're doing as well. Thank you. Okay. Have a lovely day. You too. Bye. So that's it. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about what I do or read more on endometriosis and living well with it, um, you can head to my Instagram page, which is this underscore endolife. Um, you can head to my website which is www.thisendolife.com and you can also get um, a free guide to managing endometriosis naturally on my website Um, I've put the link in my show notes it's a beginner's guide to getting started and all of the areas that I um, have worked on to help reduce my endometriosis symptoms and pain and live well with endometriosis As always, if you like this show, please rate, review and or subscribe. It really, truly does help others to hear the podcast and hopefully will help them to live better with endometriosis. This episode was produced by The Pod Farm. Whether you're an established podcaster or just getting started, visit thepodfarm.com to see how they can help you go from an idea to a finished show that's ready to be heard by the world. (music) 